I think women can do anything. Just because they can doesn't mean they should. Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts, Michael Shields. Our co-host today is Christian Needham, who's been on the show many times. He's welcome to the Party Pal family. Welcome to the Party Pal, Christian. Thank you for having me at the party, Michael. Of course. We, uh, we love having you. Um, we're going to talk about something that uh, is important. It's fun. Uh, we're going to talk about um, women of action, women action directors, uh, it's um and you know you just wrote an article you wrote an article for across the margin uh, the online magazine and uh, it's called Woman of Action's in depth look at the exciting mixture of Hollywood f- filmmakers on the eve of what appears to be a golden age for female action directors so uh, um, we're going to get into that real quick I want to just be drop a quick reminder that uh, welcome to the party pal is part of the Osiris Media Group they have a new partnership I want to just. Uh, kind of shine a light on real quick. It's something I think is very important. It's a partnership with Dance Safe. At Osiris, we know that many of you love live music and make it out to see shows often. Osiris prides itself in helping you connect with the artists and music you love so those live music experiences feel even more meaningful. We also want to make sure that music fans stay safe when they are out having fun. The unregulated sale and use of substances is common at many live music events, and unfortunately so is drug misrepresentation. We are proud to partner with DanceSafe to raise awareness about this danger. DanceSafe is a nonprofit organization that provides screening services as well as peer-based education to help support people in making informed decisions about their health. DanceSafe prevents harm from consumption and misidentified substances for thousands of people each year. When you're out there seeing your favorite artist dance like no one is watching, but dance safe because your life may depend on it. To donate or learn more, visit dancesafe.org and look out for the booth at uh, your next music festival. Such a, an important thing. So, Christian, let's get into it. your article. I loved it. Um, what was your inspiration for uh, writing it? Charlie's Angels, 2019, came about. Directed by uh, Elizabeth Banks, right? Elizabeth Banks, whose only previous directorial experience was, uh, I think it was um, 
She did a Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect 2. Yep. Second one, yep. Um, which which fascinated me because I there was a lot a lot riding on this particular film in terms yeah. of um, relaunching what, what had been, I guess, a very loose franchise mm-hmm. that had kind of started with the television series, had a couple of McGee films in the early part of the 21st century, yeah. and then uh, uh, continued with this. And they're all theoretically a con- continuity of each other. Mm-hmm. Um I like Elizabeth Banks as an actress. I think she's... Oh, she's uh, great. She's um, a great comedic actress. Yeah, she has good range all around, yeah. But it was intriguing to me that she was uh, that she was taking on uh, an action film as part of her developing mm-hmm. uh, directorial career. Yeah, it was in her wheelhouse at this point, yeah. She, she got a great... She got a really good young cast. Um, mm-hmm. Great cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you look at his, his credits, they're, they're uh, pretty prestigious. Um, and I was curious also about... about the continuing kind of fallout from a couple of years ago with Ghostbusters um, in yeah. terms of female cast comedy slash action films mm-hmm. comedy slash thrillers stuff like that mm-hmm. see how this one would be received and um, the lead up to it uh, I think I think there was the possibility of a similar similar kind of pushback mm. from uh, the online <laughs> critical, critical uh, reception. Those trolls out there. Yeah. Um, watching it, I was. I, I thought it was. It was very decent. I've, yeah. I'm just happy. If, I think uh, Banks has developed. Uh, is going to develop very well into a, a very competent director. director. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. You work with the material that you have, mm-hmm. and this one was it definitely showed showed something. But um, the positives, as well as as I think the flaws, uh, are very indicative. I think of. A lot of what's going on in the larger scope of uh, female directors taking on action, mm. uh, the genre in, in various forms. Um, the, the first thing that, that inspired me about that specifically to write this to write this series mm-hmm. is actually the action sequences itself. Um, oh yeah, one of the things that's interesting about it is the action in the John Wick era um, and before it, the Jason Bourne mm. era has gone wide. Um, a lot of a lot of the shots that you see when you're you're watching. Good grounded, um, hard hitting action in, in films these days. Yeah. The ones that get, even stuff that gets critically mm-hmm. acclaimed within the, the action scope, I think, are things where you have your stars actually going through some sort of physical training mm-hmm. so that they can somewhat believably have a, an action scene, a close quarters action scene, uh, without guns and, and, and such uh, for several scenes in the movie. Um, it reminded me in the the first Batman, the Batman uh, begins um, the first Nolan, the first Nolan. Yeah, uh, love the, it. I watched it the other night. Yeah, if you look at the difference between the the action sequences there and the Dark Knight, the follow up, uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot more closely edited. Where where every kind of thing is, it's almost over edited. Um, to the fight scenes, uh, mm-hmm. you see to the fist, and then the the guy t- the cut back to the guy turning around, yeah. and then you so see tight. the foot. And, yeah. Overly tight and frenetic, yeah. and yep. and um, in Dark Knight, that's loosened up a lot more. Yeah. Um, if you look at the, the opening scene in the the garage uh, in the Dark Knight, uh, that, that culminates with him jumping jumping down onto a car as he mm. drives away, and all that that stuff. That you, it's very you can see the evolution of that that taste right there. Yeah. Um, I say John Wick too because very famously, you know, Keanu Reeves is really kind of um, as a guy in his, as an actor in his fifties. Um, kind of revolutionized what audience expectations are at the moment mm. for those action scenes. 
I think when it when it came to watching, um, I was one of the surprising things about about having watching um, Charlie's Angels was just how um, over edited those fight scenes were. Yeah. Again, even though one of the three angels uh, did most of her own scenes, it wasn't Kristen Stewart. It was, it was one of the other ones, um, and a lot of the action scenes tended toward that close quarters fighting. Yep, and. That was fascinating to me because I think the, the stuff that was done really well was the rapport mm-hmm. between the three and, and Banks and, and, uh, and Patrick Stewart and all this. That stuff was done really well. Yeah. The final product, though, is an action film. Mm-hmm. The, the, the classic blueprint of, of an action film it, it was ultimately, I think, pretty bland and forgettable. Yeah, um, yeah. Ultimately. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if I was going to grade it on a on a scale, I'd, I'd say it was a C or C plus uh, yeah, overall sense. as a sounds, film. Yeah, but um, something that I definitely want to see more from Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, I, but it's it also speaks to the fact of directors, the difference between directors who are experienced with action mm-hmm. and also action that serves the narrative. Yeah, and within the article that I did for Across the Margin, uh, the women of women of action, uh, I highlight several directors who. Are very explicitly um, and thought using action as a thoughtful service of, mm-hmm. a lo- of plot of the larger plot. Yeah, absolutely. But um, well, it's interesting too. And I just you know to kind of pull it out even from the action thing. This uh, there's I mean there's we just went through the Academy Awards and there's obviously one of the biggest uh, problems people had was the lack of any directorial representation for women. And so there is a lot of talk about that just in general. And I was looking up some uh, facts to know about women in Hollywood and. So as of uh, right now, this is just the, the most current stats you can find. On the top 100 grossing films of last year, 2019 in total, 12% of directors were women, 20% were, uh, of writers were women, uh, t- is that 2% of cinematographers are women, um, 26% of producers are women, 19% of executive producers are women, uh, 25% of editors are women. So, I mean, it says 12% of directors are women. That means 88% of directors were men. Um, and I think what I kept thinking about when I was reading your article and, you know, I'm just thinking about other great female filmmakers is just the talent is out there and mm. uh, in, in, in spades, truly. And, and just I, I feel like, you know, more uh, opportunity should be there. So, I mean... You got us to a point where, um, you know, you did start with, I like the way you led uh, your article with the Christian Stewart um, in, in Charlie's Angels. She got a quote where her character, uh, Sabrina, looks at the camera and says, I think women can do anything. That was a nice lead into it. But it got to a point where you um, highlighted that uh, women will ha- helm four of the biggest budget superhero films to come out this year. Yeah, they're going to film the, the four big ones um, for Marvel and DC, as well as, uh, and I also threw in the Mulan live yes, action remake yeah. through Disney. Yeah, Nikki Caro's got that, yep. Which is a natural kind of addition because Marvel follow, uh, Marvel and Disney. Yeah, yeah. they're in bed together. The big tent now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is important, um, and it's... A, Stepping back for a moment to the what led into uh, one of those films, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, mm-hmm. before Patty Jenkins took it on, it was, I think, one of the directors that turned it down was Lexi Alexander. Oh, yeah? Um, and she gave, a, I think, a, a, an interview uh, just before, maybe five or six years mm-hmm. ago, to uh, Fast Company, where she was talking about why she did, and it was basically she didn't want to deal with 
the amount of, of pressure that was going to be put on her if it was a financial failure. Oh, okay. Um, wow. The fact that there were so few opportunities of uh, that scale for women directors. Yep. Um, that the, the spotlight. Uh, expect, the expectations. Expectations. Is, the spotlight was, would be that unfair. big. Yeah. And you work with what you're given, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it, she made a really good, um, I think, uh, a good explanation of it. And it's something that, that definitely, by turning that film down, is not did not help her career. She is, I mean, the last proper film I think that she's done was uh, Punisher Warzone. Oh yeah, which uh, had Ray Stevenson in it from Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's right. It was definitely a, a very, if you mm-hmm. go back and look at it now, had hints of what um, you know a lot of uh, the color palettes and the filming and the violence, the R-rated violence mm-hmm. to it. In a, you know, in a sense, isn't so far away from the aesthetics of. Uh, of Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, which yeah. has a, again, very uh, even down to the um, in this Birds of Prey, the, the villain is Black Mask, mm-hmm. which is Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. Um, in um, in Punisher Warzone, it's a guy named uh, uh, Jigsaw, and the idea that you have these really despicable, colorful villains that, that you know that are um, that are set out in uh, in this color, this kind of very um, very artfully done color palette of, mm-hmm. a, of a city. It's very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the difference between the two of them? I think one being that um, there's almost an over, over violence of the violence in, in the Punisher war zone to accommodate that character is, is overkill. Yeah. It's over the top. Rather, yep. and, and, you know, I've it made it tough in the long run to enjoy. And also the fact that that character was probably, in order to, to make it more palatable to any audience, needed the treatment that it got in Daredevil mm. as a long-form storytelling yeah. over several things of what, what turns from the, ne- the Netflix series that what you're speaking of. I, yeah, yeah. And I think it was actually the Netflix series that, that, that introduced him in Daredevil was actually much better at doing that than, uh, than the eventual love, Punisher love series, series standalone, mm-hmm. um, which, again, kind of drifted into the same kind of ultra-violent, yep. nihilistic territory I agree. as before. Yeah. The reason I'm comparing it to Birds of Prey is that it looks to me that, that you know, under the under the um, kind of very solid hand of a young director like Kathy Ann, mm-hmm. that you have the aesthetics combined with storytelling and, and the characters and and, and whatnot mm-hmm. under this this you know this um, comic comic book kind of banner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting too that it's it's kind of a speaking of extra burden, extra pressure, a film like that is kind of staked with um, redoing or getting right what, you know, suicide did wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of having a more grounded yep. adversary, uh, but having these, mm-hmm. this group of, of people that are, you know, essentially anti-heroes going mm-hmm. against someone who's even worse. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that kind of stuff is, is uh, just, again, going back,